Studs on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. My guest this week is Gary Texali. Uh, his new books are um, I Love You, Okay, and Mono Taxali, a uh, monograph of his work. Thank you for joining me today, Gary. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here, Robin. Um, now, normally I kind of I interview cartoonists, and your work seems to fall in that area where you're really touching on themes of comics and the kind of symbols and imagery the way 
comics can represent things. Did you read a lot of comics as a kid, or was there specific things that really captivated you as far as imagery? I didn't read a lot of comics. Uh, what I did read, though, I guess you could qualify this as comics, <laughs> uh, were a lot of um, uh, Mad Magazine, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, like uh, the Mad Magazine compilations uh, that came out in the form of uh, old paperback books. And um, in particular, there was a guy that had a really big impact on me uh, uh, named uh, Bill Elder. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he's definitely a comic book artist. And um, I'm really inspired by his work. Had you read uh, much of his Annie Fanny stuff? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> I, I have a big soft spot for Will Elder. But I really like the uh, the parodies he did, and it was just really funny. Like you know, growing up, um, you know, I, I mean, as a kid, I I would uh, read the parodies, and and I had no idea about most of the references and in, in the shows in the fifties and such, sixties. But it wasn't until years later that I actually saw, like for example, like oh, there was a show called Howdy Doody. Wow. <laughs> I know. I think I like Bill Elder's take better on what I'm seeing here. <laughs> <laughs> that would pretty much work with anything, I think. However, Bill Elder, <laughs> uh, did you ever see they did a someone did a biography of him, like art book biography, and it's like an inch thick. It's pretty amazing. I have it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I, I love his work. So. Going into your art process, um, were you always really interested in kind of the representative imagery that you're using now, or is this something you've kind of developed into with time? You know, I think I was always interested in it, but um, it developed over time. Uh, years later, I broke away from it uh, when I was, um, I guess, like in high school and I went to art school. And it wasn't until after that I started drawing the things I, I truly started to love. And lo and behold, a, a lot of uh, that stuff uh, ended up looking like the work I did when I was a, a little kid. So in a way, um, I veered off the path and came back. So I guess you could say I've been developing it my whole life. But the thing, uh, it, you know... Uh, uh, the thing I, I was really developing is not so much a stylistic thing, but just the the, the subject matter, the aesthetic, the sensibility, mm -hmm. the aesthetic of the things that interested me, and 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 that in a way um, is really um, reminiscent of of the stuff I did uh, when I was a, a little kid. How was your? You said you kind of weren't doing so much in art school. Did you find that, like the teachers and the kind of this, for lack of a better term, like the establishment there wasn't entirely comfortable with the type of work you're doing or were kind of expecting to do something more kind of grandiose and um, highbrow-ish? Uh, it wasn't the case at all. I, I, I had a really good um, uh, education. Uh, uh, the problem was me. The problem was uh, I think I was trying to um, be cool. I was trying to uh, emulate things that weren't really mean. I thought that I thought were uh, representational of uh, 
of good art, good illustration at the time. Um, like for example, uh, you know, taking some uh, of the works of contemporary illustrators at the time and just, I guess, in a way, trying to do a hybrid of what they did versus just doing the stuff I, I truly love. But I kind of think that's um, it's a common thing that happens with a lot of um, young artists, emerging artists. You kind of get uh, a little bit too uh, influenced by your heroes and things around you uh, versus actually you know, being, being true to yourself and drawing the things that you really liked. Fortunately, I found that. So I, I, I still breathe a sigh of relief when I, when I think about how where I once was and where I am now. Who are some of the folks that were really feeding into the work you're creating? Uh, folks I'd never met, folks I, uh, you know, uh, whose um, work I saw in print publication and award annuals, um, illustrators like Brad Holland uh, had a really um, uh, big impact on me. Uh, it was an illustrator, uh, a Canadian illustrator named Anita Kuntz. Um, I really loved her stuff a lot. Um, although years later, I ended up becoming friends with her, and by then I was <laughs> doing my own thing. Uh, and uh, you know, then there was like folks like um, I wasn't. Uh, uh, I, I've, I've never met. I wasn't familiar uh, with um, their careers and how they did things, but I just loved uh, their work. In particular, um, there was a group of Polish uh, po poster artists, mm -hmm. uh, a guy named Victor Sadowski. Uh, whose work I, I, re I really loved a lot. Um, a guy named uh, Philip Pagowski. Uh, I don't know if he still is, but uh, 20 years ago, he was the art director of uh, a Pol Polish Playboy, and I, and I really liked his work a lot. Um, were you very familiar with any kind of like the West Coast uh, folks like Mark Bell and Jason McLean that were coming out? Was that something you'd ever looked at? or? Uh, no, not until much later. I'm just uh, the reason I wanted it is just because you you seem to tap into something similar, um, not def not artistically like you're not creating similar work, but you're tapping into something similar. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, um, you know there's definitely common uh, interests, um, and I think that happens with a lot of artists. You know, a lot of us will you know be you know looking at the same things, have the same interests, and instead of uh, Folks will try and connect the dots uh, and make the connections, but um, I just kind of um, chalk that down as like you know we like the same stuff, and you know maybe mm -hmm. even just like kind of um, maybe not even so much the stylistic approach, but just you know the the frame of reference or you know the uh, like the history of uh, of that particular type of graphic. Like for example, like you know you started by asking me about comic book art. Um, I was, you know, I, I never really knew a lot um, of what people did uh, in, in in different names and stuff. I never collected issues of things other than the mad stuff, which was, um, I was obsessed with. So I think in that realm, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, like Mark Bell, for example, you know, he, you know, he may say the same thing. Like, you know, it's a lot of like shared in, um, uh, interests uh, and influences in that regard. Mm -hmm. When did you start getting into wanting to like, um, kind of use found artifacts within your creative process? Because it seems like there's two parts to your work. There's the the end 
part, but there's also the, the taking things from the past and putting it into it. Yeah, it's I don't know, something that uh, I think, uh, I mean, I always liked, but never really knew how to um, implement, or I guess maybe better than the word implement is honor. Uh, until um, some years ago, I found some old textbooks uh, in my parents' basement from India. Here's textbooks, like physics textbooks, math textbooks, and, and the like. And I was really drawn to the um, the surfaces, the naive um, typography, and uh, just yeah, like the the old textures and, and, and the colors. I felt like it was like a really beautiful surface, and by perhaps just making a mark, a small mark, to enhance that, and kind of in a way hide um, my drawing so that uh, it would look, it would be integrated into the look of the whole thing, and and it seemed to kind of fit with my aesthetic, and in a way it just became like more of a, a suitable art supply uh, than anything else, and so then from there I began scouring um, like antique stores and flea markets, and and even uh, on occasion, uh, 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 like I would see like on garbage sites, people throwing out old books and things, and it just became a you know a, a really wonderful service to work with. So I think in that sense, it was kind of like uh, the stuff I like to draw, you know, like you know the things that you know I, I really enjoy, like a lot of a lot of like 1930s. Kind of um, packaging, typography, the advertising, um, and you know, just like the graphic sensibility of the aesthetic of that era, um, it just my, my pictures just kind of look like that. And then by taking my drawings and my paintings and, and then utilizing surfaces, um, perhaps even from that time or even earlier, seemed to fit just nicely, and it, it just seemed to complete it. What is it you're kind of capturing? Because you're also kind of utilizing an art style and parts that kind of captures that same point in time that you're using these objects from. Mm -hmm. What's the, I don't know, what's the connection there? Like, kind of making connection with the past, or? I, um, you know, that's a really good question because uh, I don't know how to make a connection with the past because uh, First of all, I, I don't really know much about that era other than I like the look of things from that time. Um, and secondly, I don't consider myself a revisionist because I'm not drawing things that existed in that era. I'm drawing things that exist in my head now. They just happen to have you know, that sensibility. Maybe that sensibility is a result of me being born at the wrong um, uh, time. But I think the connection is more just uh, uh, just like the things I was like, you know, I'm drawn to in terms of like the look of a picture and, and how it's being said. But um, I, I really think that um, uh, it's it's definitely not like of that time. It's it's uh, of the time now. I think a lot of like the. The, the stuff I do draw in my work, you know, I will have like very contemporary kinds of themes and ideas and uh, ideologies and so forth. Um, so in a way, um, none of none of this 
Robin is actually like conscious mm-hmm. or like uh, something I you know I threw a dartboard a dart and a chart and okay you know the 30s ended up being I picked out okay you know I'm gonna glom onto this thing um, I think that's a connection that other folks make that uh, which I find really nice because I love stuff from that time so it just is is more of I hope anyways it's my sincerest hope that it's a result of me attempting anyways um, to be as honest as possible in, in, in my picture making.
One of the things I uh, was looking through your work um, that I found interesting that, that definitely has a very contemporary impact or idea that you're kind of capturing is you're looking a lot at like kind of financial type stuff like um, I'm trying to think of particular images that look at like a banker or like someone that's broke um, but still like capturing this this earlier styles, which say it's necessarily intentional, but I mean, there's definitely that that linkage there where in the present we we're dealing with these issues, and you're kind of using this past style that's people are dealing with the same issues then that we're dealing with now. I guess <laughs> that rambled too long. I think no, not at all. It's great because <laughs> in, in a way, uh, maybe it is a really good thing <laughs> that there is a. You know, a global economic crisis going on. Uh, you know, in terms of like people thinking about me to, you know, to represent things. And, yeah, I'm talking about the fine art and uh, commercial art world as well. Just you know, from like the aesthetic point of view. I don't know. You know, how did it come about? I mean, I guess it, it's still. It just it sort of goes back to um, uh, what I was saying earlier about wanting to hide um, uh, pictures. And words and icons and textures and stuff that already exist on pre-existing surfaces, uh, almost as if something has been um, 
found and mm-hmm. not really glorified, but maybe just kind of kicked around a bit and thrown in somebody's attic. And 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 so I think that uh, what happens is uh, maybe like the result of like wanting to strive for that almost banality, beautiful banality, um, is to represent some characters like you know um, the common man, like you know a you know a, a, a working person who is just uh, doing his thing and, and he happens to be clad in, 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 in business bag clothes <laughs> and, and he's just kind of like uh, an everyman, an every person. I know a lot of artists uh, have done that over time and um, I think it's maybe a little bit of like a DNA strain that some of us have as artists where uh, we do feel that uh, you know, maybe like folks like Degas, for example, um, to represent things uh, in, in that kind of way, in that common kind of way, um, in an, uh, to, to represent themes and motifs uh, of common things in an uncommon way is what I meant to say, um, uh, feels like the right thing to do. How does your background, um, you mentioned being being Indian, and how does that work into kind of your imagery that you're creating, like some of the colors choices. Does that factor into anything you're creating, or is it? Absolutely. Um, but for me, it's like uh, doing a self-portrait because I think that any artist um, uh, who's you know trying to attain honesty, maybe even not even using the word try, but just you know the honesty is a result of what's happening by like you know just being natural with, with mark making process with sculpture whatever it is um, I think you do uh, one does make pictures that um, um, are like self-portraits and and my self-portrait is uh, I'm an Indian Canadian and so the things that I grew up with um, a lot of the iconography the typography uh, the colors you mentioned uh, is a big part of who I am and my response to it in particular, um, 70s Bollywood heroes. Uh, I, I, I have a very kind of, um, you know, uh, hilarious connection to that. You know, a lot of like the parodies uh, in the most, um, uh, you know, reverential kind of way mm-hmm. to the genre. And, and, I, and I think uh, absolutely you are right. It, 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 it's, it's who I am and, and I can't escape from it. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 right. You know. I mean, it, it, it it's like looking in the mirror and then and not seeing who you are. And so you know, this is why I draw. And people look at the stuff and say, well, "Okay, you know, you're drawing some of the stuff. It's what's cool. It's who I am." And a lot of like the typography and the fun words. Um, I've been working on the series for uh, a long time that I revisit on and off again of. Um, Non-existent Bollywood stars. Uh, I like where I, whereby I do fake portraits. Uh, I don't really do portraits of uh, real people that mm-hmm. uh, are alive or have ever been alive, but I have done it a few times. But um, I like to do portraits of people that don't exist. It's well, it kind of goes with that idea, like because like there's such this like wide scope of Bollywood movies. There's almost like an anonymity to all these different characters, especially, um, I don't know how, like, 
enmeshed you were as a child or you know growing up within that culture but i mean there's just so much to look at there and it is it's 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 theatrical it's um it's entertainment uh it it's just really wonderful and um one of the big influences uh, also on me too I mean a lot of people may not see this because you know a lot of the things that inspire me aren't really tangible in my work but are the Bollywood film posters mm-hmm. so in a way I do try and kind of capture like the poster essence but nothing that looks like uh, like the montages for example that one may see uh, from that era at that time uh, you know which are really great uh, it, I mean, like the poster thing is is what I'm trying to go for, but kind of in my own sort of way. Well, it's that idea of like uh, you really seem to like sum it down into like utilizing just one image to kind of capture instead of like a mess of images together. Which I don't know. I guess the posters kind of were a lot <laughs> taken sometimes. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, you're right. Uh, um, the iconographic uh, aspect of um, uh, uh, you know of poster design is is what I really try and go for. So in a way, it's kind of highlighting a character and maybe sort of throwing some random non sequitur cartoon characters and scribbles and words and ex- phrases and expressions um, that are done in almost like different stylistically. Um, is is it, is purposeful for me because um, I want to retain that sort of um, random discarded kind of look and things kind of got kicked around a little bit and, that, and the result of what's happened is somebody perhaps has defaced this thing but that speaks a lot to you know about who, who I am and the things I, I kind of like to do um, I like to do really um, tight super graphic pictures as well as really loose spontaneous ones do you ever do sculptures? I know you did, you've done toys. I've made a few bronze sculptures of my work. Um, I, I haven't really done a lot of it, and uh, it you know it's definitely on the bucket list. What's the 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 appeal, but also like the the standoffness? Well, the standoffness is um, probably just my limitations. My um, limitations as a sculptor, and how I would realize certain things, and how I would, I would make them come to life. I'd, you know, to do really like super big things. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I've done collaborations uh, with. Uh, 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 well, actually, they're really not even so much collaborations. I've like, uh, you know, I, I've I've hired folks to help me realize uh, sculpture. The appeal is. Um, uh, is I think uh, it makes me kind of look at my work in a different way and respond to it in a different way because it's uh, all of a sudden three-dimensional, for example, and so the different perspectives and the and the sight lines of like the way um, a character may look makes makes me rethink about makes me rethink uh, my my whole uh, world. How big would one of your um, original pieces that say someone sees in the book or sees in your website. Do you have like an average size you work on, or do you kind of just? It depends on the object. It depends on the object. Uh, 
I have a show coming up, and for example, you know, I have some pieces as small as, you know, uh, five by seven inches, and I just finished a, a piece that is seven and a half feet by five feet. So it it varies. Generally speaking, though, I would say it's in kind of that nine by twelve sort of range. Um, 7 by 10, that sort of thing. Do you find that the kind of object dictates the work, or do you have the work in mind, the visual that you want to do, and kind of find the object that works with it? Both. I try and uh, not have um, rules, and if I do one, uh, I'd like to jump maybe to the next. So some things, like some of like the larger paintings, for example, will be really planned out, and there's a lot of consumption of time, drafting it out, redrawing, redrawing, redrawing. But then there's other times where I'll do like a really quick drawing, and um, in a way, uh, um, like my like the way I draw is, is a very crash and burn approach. I, I almost never use a pencil. Uh, I use like pens and markers. And and I believe that is one of the ways to attain honesty uh, in in my work um, is to stay committed to that initial mark and then to just go with it. And uh, so I'll do things like where I'll um, uh, give myself challenges where I'll say, okay, well, here's like a piece of paper or board, and I have no idea what I'm going to do, so I'm just going to like grab stuff and then just go into automatic pilot, put on some of my favorite music, and then let's just see what happens. And it's so much fun because um, I'm as surprised as I, I reckon anybody else would be when, when they see it. And, and it's a really nice state to go into that sort of alpha state, that sort of meditative state that every artist understands and knows where you're just lost in the process. and it's uh, it's one of I think like the uh, most euphoric things uh, <laughs> for any artist to just escape. But in a way, you're not locked into anything. You're just like floating. And um, sometimes, you know, when I come back to reality, uh, it's a little bit of a disaster. But like most of the time, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, knock on wood, I've been kind of lucky that uh, it's something that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm okay with. <laughs> um, one of your one of the things you have coming up, I don't know if they're already out, is you did a Canadian quarter where you designed a selection of them. Yes. Now, are those in regular circulation, or are they just? What's the a little bit of the idea behind that, and kind of because I'm I'm really struck by it because you're doing these pieces of the economy, but a lot of your work you get this feeling of the the lackluster economy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I was um, contacted by an advertising agency in Toronto, um, Young and Rubicam, and the art director, um, Dave Tupper, uh, asked me if I would be interested in doing um, a coin for the Royal Canadian Mint. And I said, sure. And so my sister Vandana, who is my agent, um, uh, met with him, spoke with him, and um, and they uh, 
uh, I guess, I had conversations about like you know what this project would be, and Dave uh, went to the Mint, and and the Mint decided that they wanted me to do um, uh, six coins instead of one, and so from there, uh, I was given a list of um, lifestyle themes like birthday, tooth fairy, <laughs> wedding, things like that, and so they just said, you know, can you just have fun, do your thing, and, and so from there, I, you know, I I worked on sketches and sent them to Dave, and um, and uh, there's a little bit of back and forth, and and then Dave uh, would send them to the mint. And, uh, honestly, Robin, this this whole thing was crazy, super easy. It was so much fun, and they gave me so much creativity on this, and so the mint was cool with it. And they said, "Yeah, okay, let's." go for it and so uh, I did the final ink drawings and uh, and then from there they put me in touch with uh, one of their se senior engravers a woman named Christy and I worked uh, closely with Christy who uh, essentially wanted to know uh, where my um, thinking was in terms of like um, what would recess uh, on the uh, on the design what uh, what would be relieved uh, mm -hmm. on the design, relieved, and and I was really impressed when I learned that um, well, we have uh, one of the best mints uh, on the planet. The Royal Canadian Mint is is incredible. Their their craftsmanship and their technology, and so we can do um, about four levels on a coin. In fact, we're so good <laughs> that um, we do. Um, coins for other countries uh, like Australia for example so I did these coins and um, oh yeah and uh, these would be um, they are um, limited edition coins okay so they're not mass circulation and, and they're available um, at um, uh, at Canada Post as well as uh, there's a lot of coin retailers and also on the Royal Canadian Mint's website but it was amazing though because they essentially gave me the entire real estate on the on the flip side of the queen's face, like anything I wanted to do on the other side of that coin, on the tails side, it was all me. So I I used uh, uh, this font that I created called Chumpley. So I did the, the font on it, and and they were okay with me um, stamping. They were okay with me, you know, putting my initials on the coin. So each coin is stamped with my initials, which is not a very common thing that the mint does. And the result is uh, five Canadian coins have been released. The sixth one will be released in the fall because it's a holiday coin. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, um, they were very happy with it. It was a big departure from what they normally do. <laughs> For yourself, did you try doing something different, or does it kind of represent the work that you've been doing? Um, I didn't re uh, really think about doing anything different. The, the only thing I really thought about was being handed this huge privilege, this huge honor of of creating currency, Canadian currency, and so uh, I felt there was like a lot of responsibility bestowed upon me, and I should honor that responsibility by trying to think about um, approaching the the artwork, the designs in such a manner that it would reflect um, as much as possible uh, you know, Canada and, and, and our people. 
So, for example, there's a baby coin, and there's no um, gender, and there's no ethnicity. There's just different characters hanging from um, uh, a mobo, which may be found, like I guess, attached to a, a child's crib, for example. Um, the wedding one was a big deal for me because uh, that's the one I'm the most proud of. Um, it was the most difficult one. Um, it was difficult from a, um, a compositional point of view because I was trying to uh, trying to show like the marriage, uh, the union between a man and a woman, and um, because of the symmetry of a you know a, a round composition and like two characters, I just was not really happy with any anything and ended up looking pretty like dull and common. Um, and then it hit me. I was listening to Dan Savage's podca podcast. Um, Savage Love, which is one of the podcasts I li listen to from time to time, and you know he talks a lot about like um, equality, you know, equal rights, and and how the United States needs to get its act together um, in terms of uh, same-sex marriage laws. I thought, well, of course, like if I'm meant, you know, highlighting the union of marriage in Canada, it should be non-gender specific to show how two human beings, two adults, mm -hmm. can get married. In our country, and so I, I drew two um, uh, androgynous, non-gender specific uh, rings that are, are entwined. So they could be a man and a woman. They could be two men, two women. They could whatever they are. It's just uh, two people that are happen to be in love, and that um, uh, is something that um, I'm really glad that the the mint approved and, and signed off on. So um, that was that was a nice accomplishment. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, it, it really was, I guess, different in the sense. I just kept thinking, like, what represents Canada? What would be something that people would be okay with? Now, granted, I mean, you know, I also felt like there was a bit of a there's a bit of a deep breath. I you know I was taking because I knew it, it was a it was a departure from the normal thing that they do. Uh, uh, you know, the, you know, the very sort of historic state, um, rep, you know, representing the country uh, in, you know, in a very conservative manner, really. And so I kind of thought, all right, you know, there's a, there's going to be a lot of folks maybe who may have issue with all of a sudden, uh, you know, the beloved caribou. Is it a caribou or an elk? A caribou, I think. I think uh, it's a caribou. Yeah, being, you know. Uh, Taking a little bit of a backseat, even though it's a limited edition, to like um, uh, a bunch of Canadian, you know, maple leaves, for example, and you know, one sticking its tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> there's something wonderful I find for Canadians. There's this like sense of pride in representing this Canadian identity without it overtaking this sense of pride of being Canadian. I, I hope thank you for saying that and, and I hope more people uh, make that observation wrong because that's it exactly you know I, I, I think that's one of the great things about our country and uh, one funny thing I, you know, I got to tell you uh, was um, the vice president of the mint um, and I met for coffee he was in, in town um, some week, weeks before the coins came out and and he said yeah you know you drew this you know, character and his tongue is sticking out. His little maple leaf character, and then we looked at your more of your work on your website. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, he draws sometimes. You know, characters with their tongue sticking out, so it's good. So I, I thought it was great. The rationale was like, 
Well, well, he's done it before, so it's fine. <laughs> it's indicative of your regular. Yeah, work. as long as you know, he's doing his thing. Who are we to judge? And um, I thought that was wonderful. Um, and just, uh, just I'm still amazed. Like every time somebody asks me about the coins, I, I'm still like in shock that, you know, they, uh, they would let me do what I did and and be like really happy with it. Mm -hmm. Well, congrats. Thank you. Um, what do you have uh, for yourself coming in the future? Any particular shows, series you're working on? Yeah, right now, um, like literally right now, um, I, I'm um, working on my next solo show, which is going to be um, in May uh, in, in London, England, um, at a gallery called um, The Outsiders, which is um, uh, run by... Uh, an art dealer named Steve Lazaridis, um, and he um, he's a really wonderful um, uh, art dealer. He um, shows a lot of really terrific artists. Um, he's really quite known for um, uh, being um, Banksy's gallery for a long time, and um, so uh, we we've worked a little bit in the past with some group shows, but this is my first solo show over there, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Nice. Thanks. You see, you seem to be able to travel a fair amount. That's good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice job perk. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Gary. Anytime, Robin. Uh, it was wonderful speaking with you. Reminder, folks. Uh, Gary's work is "I Love You Okay," Gary Taxali, as well as uh, Mono Taxali. So, thank you so much, Gary. Thank you.
Baby. 